0: gospels it was around 1949 some of you remember that i don't but in 1949 there was a young man who was just beginning his ministry and this young man was about to take a global stage as an amazing evangelist you might know his name billy graham Billy Graham had a, an associate, a coworker, fellow laborer in ministry, and some of you might know his name. And it was around this time that he would actually begin to leave the faith. His name was Charles Templeton. Charles Templeton, by all accounts, was a far more powerful, more engaging speaker than Billy Graham, having a greater impact even than this man, Billy Graham. But Charles Templeton would soon shift to become a staunch atheist. Fast forward to the year 2000, there was a staunch atheist set out to disprove Christ, the Bible, and everything that it addressed. His name was Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel would soon become a very well-known apologist for the Scriptures, for the Word of God. God would use him in powerful ways. He wrote a great book, The Case for Faith. We have it in our library. If you have not read it, I would encourage you to do so. But in the beginning of his book, he has an interview with Charles Templeton. And in this interview, something interesting is said. Templeton says this. He referring to Jesus. He was the greatest human being who ever lived. He was a moral genius. His ethical sense was unique. He was intrinsically the wisest person that I've ever encountered in my life or in my readings. His commitment was total and led to his own death, much to the detriment of the world. He could one, what could one say about him except that this was a form of greatness? Lee Strobel says, I was taken aback. He says, you sound like you really care about him. Well, well, yes. He's the most important thing in my life. I, I... I know I may sound strange, he says, but I have to say, I adore him. The interview would end with Charles Templeton sobbing, saying, I miss him. Such words. Such powerful words. As you and I are going through the historical books of the New Testament, the Gospels and the Book of Acts, we are going to engage in some fascinating facts concerning Jesus Christ. We are going to look at his teachings and how they were counterculture. We're going to see a man who loved like no other, who taught truth, who died and even rose again. But with all the information that we look at, all the details that emerge, all the facts that we observe, we too, can know about Jesus we can know Jesus and miss him we can miss that he is the very son of God the very Savior that you and I need church we are just as susceptible so as we look at God's Word today as we look at another gospel Don't allow just information to fill your mind. Don't allow facts about an amazing man. And without question, Jesus Christ is is the greatest man who has impacted history unlike any other. So as we look at Luke today, Don't allow yourself to miss who Jesus Christ is. The beginning verses of of this Gospel, Luke, spurs us to to know this this Jesus deeper. I'm going to read the opening verses, both of Luke and the first verse of Acts, which is also written by Luke. I'd encourage you to join with me. Luke chapter 1 verse 1, and he begins this way, "...inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the Word, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully." from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order. Most excellent, Theophilus. So that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. Look at Acts verse 1. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all Jesus began to do and teach oh i can't wait to get the Acts, but we have to get through luke today okay so we are going to look at at luke we are going to look and i think we have to understand who this man luke is who is luke this gentile that wrote scripture that's a very rare thing he's worth looking into first and foremost because he is a dear dear brother in christ that's encouraging god uses him and and we know from scripture that he was a physician he was a doctor with a gentle spirit dr coleman you would like luke you and him would get along great he does he does and, and luke was a gifted writer It's fascinating when we look at at Luke's Gospel and and the book of Acts, do you realize that some of the best Greek is seen in these books? He was very articulate, very detailed, and and scholars love reading and studying this man's writings. Well-educated. It's also fascinating, being a Gentile, do you realize that there are 7,957 verses in the New Testament? Put that one in your hat for later, right? But do you realize out of those almost 8,000 verses, 2,158 of them are written by Luke. That is That is over 28% of the New Testament. Almost a third of it is written by this Gentile physician who has a heart for the Gospel of Jesus Christ. He would travel with with Paul. And oh my goodness, Paul would have been an amazing man to go along with. But Dr. Luke would go with this this Paul and, and his heartbeat for the Gospel of Jesus Christ would just grow stronger and stronger I love how Paul described the Gospel. And we see this come out in Luke's Gospel as he writes. But Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4 says this. Follow along, it says, For I delivered to you as of first importance. This is important, church. He says, What I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. When we look at the scriptures, we see that. And he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Church, that's the gospel. And last week, when we looked at Mark, we saw the urgency of getting the gospel out. How many of you were so, felt that urgency so much, you went and shared the gospel this week? Oh, oh, oh. Evidently, you did not. Feel the urgency. Oh, church, there is. And Luke felt that urgency as well, but he wanted to express it in a clear, detailed manner so we would understand. It was consecutive. We would. I love that it's consecutive. I like timelines. I like knowing this happened and then this happened next and that led to this. It makes sense to me, and Luke delivers the Gospel in a consecutive manner. He writes and presents the narrative of Jesus Christ and what occurred both to Jew and Gentile. He is so faithful in his research and presentation that both Jew and Gentile understand and come to this Gospel and get it. And, and he focuses, as a good doctor would, on the poor, the oppressed, those in need. And as he shares the Gospel, he presents the same opportunity. I, I love the, the theme of his, his Gospel. We see that theme beautifully in Luke 19.10. This is the purpose, and in Jesus is, is declaring this. He says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the emphasis. And the lost does not have preference. Whether you are poor or rich, there are lost with both. Whether you are young or old, there are lost. Whether you are male or female, there are lost. Whether slave or free, you are lost. And Luke presents this. He was the first apologist of his time. I, I love that. And I'm sure Lee Strobel and others would. I, I mean, they love going to Luke's gospel because of the detail and the information. An apologist is not one who comes to the scriptures, the message of Jesus Christ, and is good at apologizing. But somehow the church has become that type of an apologist. We come to God's word and we're like, I'm sorry, this is I'm sorry, this is what God's word says. I'm so sorry. No, an apologist comes to the word of God with boldness and, and, and conviction. And gives a bold and daring defense for for the truth that we see in Scripture. And we challenge others to believe based on the facts that we see and are presented. Peter himself would declare to the church in in 1 Peter 3.15, look at what he says. I love Peter's words here. He says, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Yesterday, at, at, as we were learning about fossils and, and astronomy and all of that, as Brian was here uh, with Alpha and Omega, we were, he went to this verse, and it was, I love this. He says, always being ready to make a defense to everyone. Everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Oh, we need to have an answer. We need to be ready. We need to give an account for what we know and believe in the scriptures. But gentleness and reverence. We're not good at that sometimes as a church, are we? We like to get haughty in our own eyes. We like to good, oh, we like a good argument. We present the truth with boldness. We present it, the facts. Luke did his homework. Luke writes his Gospel somewhere in the 60's. Not not the recent 60's, like AD 60. and, And he presents this truth. This is about 30 years or so after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Gospel has been going forth with, with force. It says there were many, many. He was able to interview lots of people who were still around from the time of Christ. And many were, who had seen and heard and knew of Christ. So he went and interviewed them. He's like, hey, I want to get to know Jesus from your first-hand experience. I bet you He even went to Mary and and some of the brothers of Jesus, taking notes. He compiled all these things for us. I am grateful for a man like Luke, who had compiled these things in a written document, telling the oral events that had happened. The Gospel was going out in full force orally. Oh, you couldn't stop the apostles from preaching. You couldn't stop those new believers when they discovered Jesus Christ, how much He loved them. Oh, you couldn't stop them. A tax collector came to Jesus, and man, oh man, he was going to tell the world. If Jesus could love me, I'm telling everyone. But these oral events that have been passed on, Luke wanted to preserve And I'm so glad he did, because we have the opportunity to read these events. He investigated carefully, he said. Research. Great effort and work. The words that he looked into were verified. Fact-checking. Why would he go to such great effort? Why would He put forth all of this energy and time? I believe verse 4 gives us the answer so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. When we come to Luke, when we come to Acts, we can know truth and Luke is delivering those for us we look at Luke uh, from an overview and my goodness being the longest of all the Gospels it has to be an overview but when we look he lays it out in that consecutive order it's it's a road map so to speak and so I figured you know a road would be the best illustration for this and as we we go along Luke is is sharing with us, he is describing this perfect man, Jesus. At every mile marker, we see Him perfect. Luke pauses from time to time and and makes stops along the way to detail for us and illustrate this man's life. The events concerning Jesus. And as we travel... The gospel unfolds for you and I to know the truth. It begins with his birth narrative. The birth narrative in Luke is the most extensive and detailed of all four gospels. It's usually the one that's used at Christmas time to, uh, to share the, the wonderful story of Jesus coming. Luke describes His birth and includes John the Baptist and all that happened there. In that narrative, there are the four hymns, those songs that are recorded for us from Mary and and those in the temple and all of that. It's beautiful. Oh, the interviews he must have had. Writing it down going, oh my. And he brings to us this. Before we get to the years where Jesus is an adolescent and Luke's the only one that really records that, before that, he jumps into the genealogy of of Jesus. and You're like, wait a minute, didn't we already have the genealogy given to us? We did back in Matthew. In fact, Matthew begins his genealogy And it's from the line of Mary, and he begins going back to Abraham. He starts with Abraham because God gave Abraham a special blessing, a promise. So he begins with Abraham going through, emphasizing King David, and he goes all the way up to Mary. But Luke, being a Gentile and presenting Jesus as this perfect man, the Son of God, Well, he starts with Joseph, kind of how we would do our genealogy, starting with the father, going to the son, and going backwards, right? Well, we start with Joseph, but he goes back, goes back, and guess what? He goes all the way back to Adam in his genealogy. going back to adam declares and defines the humanity of jesus going back to adam reminds us of adam's failure adam's sin and even in adam's sin we are reminded of the promise that god gave all the way back in genesis That one day there would be one greater, one stronger that would come and crush the head of the serpent. I want to compare briefly for you the two Adams. Contrast them. The first Adam and the second Adam as Scripture uh, will refer from time to time of Jesus Christ. The first Adam, and here it is up here for you. Okay, the first Adam... Well, he sinned. When we look at the second Adam, though, never once did Jesus Christ sin. Where the first Adam was was tempted and failed, Jesus Christ, we see, as he is led into the wilderness, is tempted by Satan himself, and he comes through victorious. And what does he do, church? Every single time, Jesus Christ goes back to the Scripture. The Scripture says, it is written, that where the first Adam failed to obey God in the garden, and God made it pretty clear, don't eat that tree. It's crystal clear. Where the first Adam disobeyed in the garden, the second Adam obeys. He's victorious. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, before He would be crucified, betrayed, looks up to God, says, not my will, God, but Yours be done. We see him victorious. The first Adam, yep, we can blame him, brought sin to all mankind. Through one man's sin, all are sinners. But the second Adam would come and bear mankind's sin. The first Adam was brought forth from the earth. The second Adam was from heaven. The only Son of God. The first Adam, and we all struggle with this ever since, was self-centered. Selfish, prideful, arrogant. The second Adam being the very Son of God. Came selfless, humble, meek, a servant. The second Adam, Jesus Christ. Fully God, fully man. That's the incarnation. And we see this perfect man emerge in. In the Gospel of Luke. As, as we go through, we, we see his youth, his baptism, his temptations. And all along, Jesus, get this, this perfect man is seeking sinners. He's seeking sinners. Jesus would heal those who were sick and and stained with disease. He would care for the poor, the outcast, the forgotten. He had a heart for sinners. Oh church, we need to have a heart for sinners. Why? Because our Savior Jesus Christ did. Many as they would hear His message, as they would see Him him feed 5,000, as they would see Him heal, they're like, whoa! And He developed this huge fan club. And they would follow Him in droves. But as Jesus would teach, His teachings countered culture. As He would teach, people are like, "Mm, I don't like that. where they should pursue and continue to follow him you turn after you turn after you turn people would turn their backs it's interesting we come to the gospels we come to the teaching of this book and people love the man right They love him. Oh, he was a great man. But don't talk about his teaching. Because his teaching, well, that rubs me wrong. U turn after U turn. I love how his teaching is described, how his seeking after the sinner is described. It's it's portrayed beautifully in chapter 15. Look at what it says. Now, all the tax collectors and the sinners. See, there were sinners, and then there were tax collectors. Okay? Oh, to be a sinner instead of a tax collector. Now, all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming... Near, near him to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes, those are the religious, okay, began to grumble. This man, he receives sinners. He even eats with them. We would never do such a thing, huh? So he told them this parable saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep, and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And this is where flannel graft screwed up my theology. It was a cute lamb they would always put up there. It wasn't the cute lamb. It was the ugly one that was biting and kicking and fighting. The hair all matted. The one that stunk. When he finds it, look. When he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends, his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me. Oh, man. For I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who have no need to repent. They're already part of his flock church i was that lost sheep you are that lost sheep he goes after you he is seeking the lost chapter 19 would describe that smelly hair matted biting vicious mean sheep he was shorter than some of the other sheep but he was still a mean sheep. His name was Zacchaeus, a tax collector. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, hey, come on out of that tree bud. I want to go to your house. I want to dine with you. I want to be with you. That blew the mind of this tax collector who by all the religious was hated. And Jesus, when Zacchaeus understands that he is the Son of God and repents, Jesus says the words in 1910, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus was seeking sinners You, me, Zacchaeus. This perfect man would come and extend to us a new covenant. At this time, we're going to partake together in communion. I'm pausing in the middle of this because right before Jesus would go to Calvary, He would enjoy and and look forward to this Passover meal with His disciples. He called them together. He did amazing things. He spoke amazing things at this meal. He would wash their feet. The Son of God, that perfect man, would wash His disciples' feet, including Judas. Judas who was about to betray Him. Luke chapter 22 records for us that that time together. 22 verse 19, Jesus, He he takes the bread. Jesus would break it. He'd, He'd hand it, He'd pass it to them. He'd offer up a blessing and He said to them, this is My body which is broken for You. Symbolized by that breaking, that tearing. Let's ask a blessing briefly here. Heavenly Father, we pause in this message to focus on You. To focus on Your Son. The perfect man that would come and allow his body to be broken, beaten for us. God, as we partake of this bread today, we ask a blessing on it. God, we remember what your Son did for us. And God, we thank you and we praise you. We ask this blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we partake? It was a wonderful meal they had. They had more food than you just did. It was a feast, conversation, singing, prayers. A little bit later, Jesus would take the cup. Verse 20, look at what verse 20 says. In the same way he whoop, there. in the same way he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup, which is poured out, poured out for you is a new covenant in my blood. It was a picture of them, of, of the commitment, what he was doing in his he was going to shed his blood for you and I. That we could enter into a covenant relationship with God Almighty, restoring what Adam destroyed. That relationship. Let's ask a blessing on the cup, shall we? Heavenly Father, God, we are reminded that our sin is not covered by anything less than the perfect lamb the perfect lamb of god your son that he would shed his blood for our sin and god as we come to this today thank you we did not earn it we do not deserve it but god we thank you For the gift that you give, that relationship, oh, that we would know you intimately. Not with a head knowledge, but in relationship that's made possible by your shed blood. God, thank you. We ask a blessing on this cup in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we partake? It's interesting. Luke, taking us down that road, and I know we're running just a little bit over, but I want you to hear this. I want you to see how this perfect man continued to seek out sinners to the very end. Yet this perfect man is rejected by simple man time and time again. We find Pilate. Look at this. Pilate as he looks at Jesus as he sees Him multiple times in Luke chapter 23. We see in verse 22. Pilate says this. And he said to them a third time, Pilate's talking to the crowds. Why? What evil has this man done? As the crowds are crying, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! What evil has this man done? I have found in him no guilt demanding death. Therefore, I will punish him and release him. But they were insistent with loud voices asking that He be crucified. And their voices began to prevail. And Pilate pronounced sentence that their demands be granted and He released the man they were asking for who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder but delivered Jesus to their will. That man was Barnabas. Or Barabbas, not Barnabas, Barabbas. They're like, give us Barabbas, the murderer. Crucify Jesus, the perfect man. And the perfect man would take the place of the sinner. Hanging on the cross we see the heart of Jesus. With some of His last breaths, hanging between two thieves, Luke records one of the criminals who were hanging there was hurling abuse at Him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him and said, Do you not even fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what deserves our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Up to the very last moment, Jesus is seeking the lost. The Son of God had come. The Son of Man walked among us perfect seeking the lost he did the work of salvation at calvary and in good apologist manner luke records and demonstrates his, his death and burial showing that he died for you and me he illustrates beautifully and powerfully the resurrection and at the end of his book the end of this gospel he records a conversation A conversation between two men and Jesus, who didn't recognize Jesus at first. Jesus blinded their eyes. But they have a conversation on a road that led to a town called Emmaus. And on that road, Jesus takes these men. Do you know where? To the Scriptures. And He shows them, beginning with Moses, all the way back to Genesis, and shows them Jesus Christ. Shows them the Messiah and all the things that had to happen with Jesus. They get to Emmaus and Jesus is like, I'm still going on. You guys have reached your destination. And they recognized Him. We've just finished up the Old Testament. Do you realize that when the disciples, the apostles and and Jesus Himself goes and shares Christ, it says He went, they took Him to the Scriptures, the Old Testament. Jesus points them to the Scripture. You and I, as we look at the Scriptures, we need to engage and use our minds. We need to think on these things. But as we do, allow yourself to discover Who Jesus is. Our Savior. The one that you and I need. Don't miss him. He is far more than a perfect man, a good man. He is,
1: not was,
0: is the Son of God, our Savior. Let's pray. God, this morning, we have sung. Oh, we have sung the work of Your Son and what He did at Calvary for us. God, we have remembered through communion the the work of salvation through Your body, Your blood. And we praise You. And through your word we have seen more than a man, we have seen the Son of God bringing salvation to the lost. God, if there are lost here this morning, if there are lost listening, God, I pray that this morning they would allow themselves to reach out. God, if they are that lost sheep and they look at themselves in the mirror and they see the filth, the stench of their sin, God, I pray that they would look to You, their shepherd, who cares and loves and gives himself for the sheep. Oh, God, I pray that today would be the day they see you more than just a man, but as their Savior. And God, for us who are part of that 99, a part of your sheep, God, I pray that we would have the urgency, the clarity to declare the gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ. Welcoming in others. Rejoicing with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we close...